0: Welcome to the podcast, welcome to our wonderful show.
1: Thank you for having me here today.
0: Yeah, and so would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and your work?
1: Okay, so um, I work for, as you will know, Disability Rights UK. Um, I'm not sure, so just for the listeners, so Disability Rights UK Um, we were formed through a unification of three different charities. So that was Disability Alliance, Radar, and National Centre for Independent Living. And we formed about 10 years ago. So we celebrated our 10-year anniversary, actually, um, last year. And uh, Disability Rights UK, we are a pan-disability charity, Uh, representing the needs of disabled people in the UK and um, in all the work that we do, the social model of disability underpins that. And we recognize that disabled people experience vast and varied barriers. And as a charity, we work to create a society where everyone with lived experience of disability or health conditions can participate equally as full citizens. Um, As a charity, we are run by and for people with lived experience. Um, of disability or health conditions. So what that basically means is a majority um, of our staff, a majority of the trustees are disabled people. Um, A a bit about myself, um, I I started work for Disability Alliance, which was one of the charities that unified to become Disability Rights UK. Um, And Um, I mean, what initially led me to uh, work for Disability Alliance was, um, it was, it was, it's a combination of things. So I, going back a bit, I, I actually graduated with a law degree. And as part of my law degree, I spent a year working at my local citizen advice bureau as an advisor, and I found myself working a lot in the area of uh, benefits, it could be education, employment for disabled people. So often I found myself where I was applying for what was what was kind of DLA for adults then or helping with a lot of appeals and I found the work to be hugely rewarding and meaningful and just seeing the difference that I was making to another person's life and I felt like it was work that um, mattered. And I could see the kind of positive contribution I was making to the lives of kind of disabled people in, in the community every every day. Um, so once I finished my law degree, um, I graduated, I came across an opportunity with the Royal British Legion Industries, RBLI. And, and in this role, it, well, it was the role of a um, employment advisor, so I could support disabled people in the context of employment education. Um, and I was working, it was a face to face role. So I was working uh, directly with disabled people, providing them careers advice. I was sourcing kind of further education and training opportunities, finding employment And I was supporting them up for six months um, in work as well. So if they experienced any difficulties in work, they would come to me and we could work with the employers to resolve those issues. Um, Having worked there for for a couple of years, I moved on to work for Disability Alliance, and that was on a project where we provided uh, benefits advice and calculations to disabled people who were on the uh, Pathways to Work and Work Choice Job Center Plus programs back then. Um, And kind of naturally, Uh, When Skill, which is the National Bureau for Students with Disabilities, when they closed, Disability Alliance were given the opportunity to continue some of their advice and information work, and we, well, Disability Alliance back then, took over the delivery specifically of the Disabled Students Helpline and um, maintaining and updating their fact sheets and guides uh, for disabled young people. And I suppose since then that work has grown. So when Disability Rights UK formed, uh, that Disabled Students Helpline came over with that unification, and um, so did the kind of education resources that we have. And uh, that's where we are now. So we've grown that education um, work that that we were, uh, which started off with Disability Alliance. Uh, Would you like me to talk a little bit about my role as an education officer?
0: Yeah, if if you'd like to like what my question is well, what what do you do to support students with disabilities in your within the capacity of your role as an education officer?
1: Yeah, so as the education officer, a a key part of my role is actually delivery of that disabled students helpline. Um, So every day... I'm know I'm making that kind of positive difference to the life of kind of other disabled people, and I'm 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 kind of sharing my knowledge, and I can see others I suppose achieve because of it, which is uh, which is why I've been in this role for many many years. I absolutely love what I do. Um, the disabled students helpline is a telephone and email service, and we on the helpline support. Um, anybody really is students, parents, carers, disability advisors, careers advisors, advice workers um, and other professionals, even those with say the local authority uh, that support disabled students and on the helpline i mean the helpline is specifically on post 16 education and training so i'm looking at the space of further education um so that could be mainstream further education colleges it could be specialist colleges um i also it could be like private independent kind of training providers um i i can all that covers also the university group so the undergraduate students the the, the postgraduates, the work-based training so the apprenticeships supported internships traineeships um so we cover kind of all that kind of area of education in terms of the advice and support that we offer um and on the helpline we cover a whole range of different advice areas so um uh, I from day to day, I would say kind of the common inquiries tend to be around um, adjustments for disabled students based on their impairment. So I might get a call from someone who would want advice on um, perhaps they're starting university, and they have a mental health um, impairment. Um, and they want advice on the kind of support they can expect in higher education. Um, it could be around um, rights under the Equality Act 2010. So I might have some uh, a young person or a parent uh, call me because they want to speak about some of the barriers that their young person or they have in in kind of in their mainstream college, and they want to know what their rights are and how to best challenge perhaps the provider, um, it, particularly if they feel that they have been discriminated. Um, it, uh, a big another big inquiry area tends to be around funding so I'll often get calls and emails um, about funding that might be available in further education in higher education. Um, it may be around uh, kind of disability related support so I um, I need assistive technology. Uh, to access my program? Um, How do I uh, fund this support? So it's kind of sharing information on government grants, perhaps that might be available, um, or other support uh, to meet those, uh, meet those needs. So that's kind of our some of our top areas There's not kind of an exhaustive list as such, but we do cover quite a wide range of different areas that um, uh, that might uh, be of interest might affect uh, disabled students in kind of post-16 education and training. And and what we tend to do is the learning from the inquiries, we use that to inform our education resources. So um, we have I think about now 14 possibly we've got um we've got 12 education fact sheets and we have got two guides that into higher education and into apprenticeships um, so they're resources specifically for um uh, for disabled students or people supporting disabled students in education around some of our main inquiry um, areas. And we, like I said, we use the kind of learning from our inquiries and we use that to inform our fact sheets and our guides. Um, And some of that learning is also kind of used in um, Disability Rights UK's policy development as well. Um, It's kind of really hearing the voice of disabled people and the challenge and difficulties they might be uh, facing um, in their access to education. Um, we, uh, in terms of, um, in addition to the, the students helpline, the fact sheets and guides, which, um, I update and maintain. Um, I also do, um, a a lot of different, um, webinars and presentations. It might be work information workshops and these are directly with some of our partners Um, it could be specialist colleges is some of the ones that I've done recently around um, some of their uh, uh, well the ones I've done recently they've been around kind of the post 16 options so young disabled people can make informed decisions about what they want to do next once they leave school once they leave their college and so they can kind of weigh up what's what's right for them. Um, and in addition to that on the odd occasion I might um, kind of do radio interviews or um, it might be comments for kind of journalists so that's all the kind of day-to-day of of being an education officer at Disability Rights UK.
0: So from your experience would you say that the UK education system is Or does it sort of excel in inclusivity or are there areas that they still need to be worked on?
1: I I think that's a very big question and it's really hard to kind of capture everything. So I've kind of, um, I I would say there's a couple of points I I want to kind of mention. I mean, we, in the UK, we do have legislation which prohibits discrimination in education and it supports inclusive education. under the Equality Act 2010, it is against the law for any education provider to treat disabled students unfavorably. So for example, it would be direct discrimination under the Equality Act 2010, if admission was refused to a student, or they were excluded because of a disability. Um, And um, kind of moving on from kind of from based on that social model of disability, um, an education provider has a duty to make reasonable adjustments to make sure disabled students aren't discriminated against. So that could be making uh, changes to make a building physically accessible, it could be providing them with extra support or um, uh, kind of equipment that they might need to access uh, education. So they're not at a substantial disadvantage, compared to non disabled students. And although that kind of law is there, it offers the kind of structures, it offers guidance and kind of expectations, it doesn't necessarily always mean that um, it's happening in in the individual education setting. So that's one thing that comes from the helpline directly what I hear on a daily basis. and I think, in terms of um, kind of key factors, I think an, some of the uh, one of the kind of main points is that staff I think need to understand their duties to make reasonable adjustments. So by staff, I don't mean just the disability advisor within an education setting, whose role it is to support disabled student, but I think staff as a whole need to understand um, everyone needs to understand their duties to make reasonable adjustments and they also need to be aware of the advice and support that um the services for disabled students within their own kind of educational uh, educational institution um often i find um a disabled person may share their disability with a disability advisor and a disability advisor might pull together um, a very good support plan. So a plan that addresses kind of these are the barriers to learning and this is what we are going to do. These are the changes we're going to make. These are the adjustments we're going to change uh, to make to address those barriers. But that learning support plan isn't necessarily always shared with kind of the teaching staff, the kind of those involved in the learning those involved with kind of assessments. Um, So it's not always implemented, or it's very common for me to hear, well, I spoke to my tutor, I told them I was struggling with this. And at that point, um, the tutor should have brought the disability advisor into those kind of conversations and discussions, but they never did. So the disabled young person was not supported effectively um and and struggled with their study as a result so i think there's a lot of room or a lot of space um i think there's a lot of work that needs to be done around kind of um highlighting uh the reasonable adjustments to UT with kind of existing staff new staff as they join make sure that they're aware of young young a young person's needs if they have shared information on on their disability and um i also think um an education provider another uh, what another area where they could do more work around is reviewing existing policies and practices within that whether it's a school whether it's a further education provider whether it's a university is reviewing the existing policies and practices and making sure that accessibility is reflected in all those kind of key policies and strategies there Um, so I think um, like I said it's a big question but I think the kind of just picking out two areas where yes we've got kind of the legislation there but on the kind of ground I think there is work that we need to continue to do to make education accessible for all and just kind of picking kind of at that um school or kind of fe kind of further education college or university level There, from what i hear there's kind of that need in terms of staff training development awareness and obviously kind of not all policies and practices that are being kind of followed formally are accessible and i think that's what that that needs to be looked at
0: thank you ronda for joining us here today and for those of you who are interested in learning more about Disability Rights UK, there will be a link to the website in the description below. Thank you guys for, for listening and hopefully you'll like, share, leave a review and see you guys next time. Thank you.